What about all the landlocked countries? You can't get to those. Oh, I give it up and on them. <laughs> <laughs> not worth it. Not worth it. If I can't take a cruise ship there, I'm not going there. <laughs> exciting because it's the first time i don't actually know our guest oh really yeah well welcome to the podcast markel thank you it's good to have you here we can let's just jump straight in i know you've heard a few episodes so you know roughly how it works i've caught up with all of them actually oh my god oh really wow okay that's very impressive i'm addicted now (laughs) awesome (laughs) well uh in which case tell us what you're not oh that's true i have forgotten okay um well what am i not I am, um, oh, I am not proficient at English prepositions, so I will, I will warn you about that. <laughs> Sorry for that in advance. Um, what else am I not? I'm not a person who's obsessed with trains. I, f- I feel like there's a lot of people who really like trains. I'm just not one of them. I was definitely one of those. As a child, I, I, I love trains. Is there a name for people that love trains? Like, you know, there's a weird word for people that like aeroplanes that i can't remember now not like a like a twitcher but not a twitch is that you know you know what i mean yeah but yeah like like those people who like go to airports and then they they just like stand by and take pictures of the of the airplanes that land and take off i don't know there's a there's an equivalent for for trains maybe (laughs) i think it's i think a train spotter right i guess that makes sense because I was thinking of the film Trainspotting, but then I was like, is Trainspotting it? I think it is, yeah. Anyway. I am not one of those. Um, and is, is that enough things, or do you want something else? <laughs> I think, I think we've, we can triangulate the, the, your, your true personality from those, from those negative aspects. Yeah, <laughs> okay, good. You're also our first ever male guest, I think. Oh, really? I think, unless That's there's true, someone yeah. I've forgotten. Um, but it's quite strange to see two men on the screen instead of one. <laughs> yeah, we're pushing the gender boundaries here. This is this is very progressive. Yeah, and Josh has got some mm. plants this time, so that's something exciting as well. These plants have always been here, but maybe you just couldn't see them before. Well, have you <laughs> angled yourself to a different corner of the room? Are we slowly going around in a circle? Uh, yeah, so that, actually my chair is now angled, I think, about 45 degrees differently than before. Hmm. So, uh, yeah. We're progressing in many, many ways. Big changes. <laughs> Strap in, get ready. <laughs> this episode's theme is going to be the natural world. I chose this one. I'm very proud of my choice. Uh, I left the door wide open for your imaginations to run wild when thinking of some uh, scenarios because, you know, the natural world is basically everything. Uh, so hopefully we have some interesting, uh, interesting suggestions. Yeah, I had trouble with the natural world because I was like, what does Josh mean by the natural world? And then I had to Google the natural world just so that I didn't, because I was like, it's so much, so many things. But I was like, maybe he means something specific about the natural world. You didn't, did you? I was just like, no. I just ended up in like David Attenborough's section of the internet. And then I watched some videos about the natural world and I felt more sort of ready for this. <laughs> Oh, you, did, you didn't get the wink I gave you when I when I texted you. I was like, <laughs> the natural world? <laughs> wink? Uh, no, I just meant like, you know, the plants and animals and stuff like that. That was my interpretation as well. I, yeah. Yes. Mm. That's correct interpretation. <laughs> so, yeah. I guess, so you, you start usually, Josh, right? 
Josh always starts. That was the magic word I was waiting for. Josh, yeah. um, can I just say, so I listened to a bit of one of our old podcast episodes the other day, mm. and um, I realised that we started off by setting the premise, and we were like, this is what we're going to do in the podcast. We're going to talk about hypothetical, hypothetical situations and try and solve mm. them, whatever. And then after about episode three, we were like, nah, well, if they haven't listened before, they're just going to get what we give them. It's <laughs> <laughs> good to so, explain the whole thing again. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that's a good point. So if you're just jumping on board now, then uh, this is the premise. We have all prepared ahead of time some hypothetical situations, which we'll discuss now. We haven't heard the hypothetical situations that each of us prepared, but... We're going to work them out. We're going to find out some solutions. And we're going to explore those hypothetical situations. That's the premise. If you haven't, thank you for that. Very time. nice. It's very clear now. <laughs> and so, without further ado, I present to you my premise. Uh, imagine, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to start off with, in like the, in the, the movie voice, because I think it quite it sounds quite good. Imagine a world where humans never evolved to be the species they are today. And that's enough of that. No, uh, no, so, keep and, going, keep going, please. I can't, I can't keep going. <laughs> now like you started. That. You need to commit. <laughs> All right, well, I'll see how far I get. Imagine a world where humans never evolved to be the species they are today. And instead, there was another species that dominated the Earth. Like Planet of the Apes, but a more exotic species. Because <laughs> monkeys are basically like humans. <laughs> or... Hitchhiker's has there, have you all seen Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy or read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? Yeah. No, unfortunately. Okay, well, semi-spoiler alert. The mice basically control the world, but they don't do anything. They just control it from the background and like, keep a low profile. Okay. So I'm not, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about there are no humans or... So either like humans never existed or they did exist, but they disappeared. And now the world is ready for a new dominant species. Maybe dinosaurs never died out and they just kept going. And they made dino cars and dino aeroplanes and, and dino electric toothbrushes and, and so on. Okay. But of course, they would be like specific to dinosaurs. All right. I have a question, though. Is this, is this new species that controls mm. the Earth now, are they also highly intelligent? Or, or are we sort of like, if, even if we retain our, our evolved brains, we just like submissive to these new species because they're much stronger than us. Like, I like say dinosaurs or something. Or, or, or are they also mm -hmm. smart? Can we communicate with them or not really? Well, okay, so you're assuming that, that humans are still around, but they're just no longer a dominant species. Ah, that was, so you, you, I should not assume that, okay. All right. you, could, you could assume that. That's, that's quite interesting because then it's like reverse Flintstones where like the dinosaurs are controlling the humans. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, like... <laughs> my, what, what, that's sort of the scenario I was thinking about. But, but I don't know what you had okay. in mind. Oh, I like that scenario. That sounds quite interesting, yeah. <laughs> but are we, I guess we can... So I'm, I'm now thinking of like a Flintstone scenario where... Because like, in the Flintstones, all the animals and dinosaurs can talk, but they always just complain. Like when like he, he uses the dinosaur as a toilet and he's like, what a job. Yeah, but that's what I mean. Like they're, they're, not really, they're not really the masters of the, of the humans. They're more like appliances in the house, no? Um, how recently have you guys watched the Flintstones because I haven't seen it for like 25 years um so I feel like you guys have have you been watching it together um. <laughs> Flintstones watching dates no 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 I just have a good memory of it I think yeah so, so in this scenario like we're flipping it around so rather than the animals being the appliances now the humans are the appliances we'd be terrible appliances yeah so which animal would be the dominant species if we were not the dominant species mm-hmm Oh, and the world is the same size as it is now. <laughs> I assume so, yeah. We could keep that as a constant. Well, I don't think it would be the Wombles. I reckon they'd pretty, pretty terribly run this 
world. Um, <laughs> okay. I then like I just went into old TV programs and, and creatures that exist. I was like, the clangers, no, they only function on other planets and, and okay, so the wombles, I mean they sort of did stuff like sweeping up leaves, but they weren't more effective than that and I don't think they'd fight anything off. They're not very dominant, but um I hate to break this to you. There also is no animal that's a womble. That's just a fictional cartoon animal. I was thinking, what is a womble? Like, is, is that an animal or is it... Where, where do they come from? In what fictional story were they? Oh, I feel like we need to show you a womble now. Josh, can yes. you find a womble? I actually don't know what... Can you describe... I, don't, I never watched the womble. You never watched can the wombles. So they were like these fluffy... Kind of, I guess, a, a big hamster maybe like a very big hamster um they were brown and they lived on wimbledon common uh and they did all sorts of like stupid you know they like one liked to do some art and one liked to tidy up and they just sort of they wombled around so they just were there and they had a nice time and and they were very sort of pointless but also enjoyable and eccentric um but probably not a dominant species <laughs> yeah that's why i was <laughs> And you can't you can't tell me off for having some fictional characters when you're using the Flintstones as your basis. Well, the Flintstones is based on dinosaurs, which are real, and humans, which are real. The only point of fiction is when they actually interact with each other. <laughs> <laughs> or is it? Or is it? So are we going... Th- I mean, like, I feel like ants are pretty effective. And bees. Bees are pretty exceptional. But obviously they're quite mm-hmm. small. So unless they could morph into sort of um like you know when you stick all the power rangers together and they get like one bigger better power ranger like a bee um, man like a bee or woman bee woman uh, <laughs> like queen is obviously the you know the, the one so if a they bee could, male <laughs> they could combine themselves to make something i think it would be no. quite interesting to explore like yeah an insect who, who really would come up like above humans and then i'm thinking one that relies on us heavily for survival maybe like mosquitoes or something like if you think of mm-hmm. mosquitoes holding like human farms where they where <sighs> where they can like put us in a like a green field surrounded by fences and they have the, they have us reproduce there so that they can just like take us put us put us in an assembly line and sort of like I don't know like milk us somehow but but of blood <laughs> blood us <laughs> blood That's us horrible. yeah horrible idea <laughs> I don't know it's what we do to to cows and sheep I guess they could do it to us somehow. They would have to overcome the size difference somehow. It would, it would be a, a tremendous feat of engineering, but maybe they could do it somehow. I don't know. Well, I suppose if you, if you had just like mosquitoes, the size difference would be quite... If it, if it was mosquitoes, for example, that would be pretty good because the, the size difference would be such that they could just u- use one human to feed thousands of mosquitoes. This took a very dark turn yeah. which I wasn't expecting. I was like looking forward to hearing like, what would a dolphin bike look like? Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, I didn't get that memo. I was just now thinking about midges and like, would midges be submissive to mosquitoes because they're smaller and, but they're more annoying because they come in big clumps and they get in your mouth. What did you call it? Midges. I think it's pretty, I think it's pronounced midges. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I don't well, use that word very much. Now I look it really me. stupid if there is mid- midges. Mid- midges. It's yeah. a weird word either way. <laughs> oh, okay, sorry, so you want dolphins. Sorry. sorry for my dark interpretation. I felt like since, we, since we're so bad to animals, I thought that in this scenario, animals would be pretty bad to us, like as a revenge kind of thing. Pretty, pretty accurate, I think, yeah. I feel like a lot of um, films and TV have explored different animals sort of reigning the earth. So I'm trying mm. to think of one that hasn't been covered. 
I keep thinking about jellyfish. Oh. Surely mm. octop- octopuses are... Octopi? Octopuses are more intelligent than jellyfish, are they not? So I, I could very easily see them taking stuff over. And also they, they've got really cool legs, tentacles... Um, legs are they legs or they just tend to I don't know but they can they're really sneaky and they can climb under doors and unlock things and and do all sorts of silly stuff and I feel like they'd look really good in accessories and you know just they could be doing loads of things at the same time yeah I see what you mean I feel like an octopus looks it looks it kind of looks smart smart enough that I could I could imagine myself like having one here and having a conversation with it like that is a, a possible scenario in my mind I don't know they look, they look like they would understand and they could be smarter than me. Yes, why not? So it has to be one. It has to be one. The octopus, I think, I think it's a good one. And they can change colours, so they wouldn't even need to get, like, they wouldn't have to have a clothing shop because they just change colour, they just choose to. They're just so joyous in their, like, underwater realm. Obviously, they, the water might be a problem because there's quite a lot of land mass and they'd probably have to wipe that out somehow. Yeah. Um, so I don't quite know what they, you know, if, I don't know when they'd start to take over like would it have been 50 years ago josh when when was this happening <laughs> well mm-hmm. I was, that's my i was wondering is like would they just be there instead of humans or would they sort of step in just after humans like maybe they already started 50 years ago and like the transition of power is already underway mm-hmm. and in another 50 years like then it'll be octopus world when you, you know when you move house and the people come around and say oh can we leave a few things can we leave a few things here before we move in and then like you're like yeah okay it's fair enough and like the octopi they're already doing that like they've already started to learn how to unlock doors apparently i didn't know that but that's something that you said so you know i think i said they go underneath doors i don't know about unlocking doors i feel like if you can go underneath the door then you wouldn't need to unlock it Mm. yeah they do fit they do fit in very tiny spaces don't they you would be it would would be a very efficient civilization like they, they could have very tiny housing and they would they would still be fine but do you think they'd really annoy each other because they're so sneaky and they can do so many things that like, you know, once you get to a certain level of intelligence, you just get annoyed by everything else that's intelligent because they'd be like, oh, that annoying octopus from down the road just keeps coming into my house and helping himself to my fish snacks. How do I keep him out? And then they'd have to come up with more elaborate ways to keep out the other octopus friends. Well, I like it. I like the octopus world. I would come visit it if I could somehow. Obviously, I can't because I'm human and in this scenario, they don't, I wouldn't exist. But I like this octopus world that you've created. Okay. It's, it's both terrifying and inspiring. I will just add that in, in Spanish, we have a saying. When you want to say that mm. you're very lost, you say that you are more lost than an octopus in a garage. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason. And I think it illustrates the fact that I guess Oct- octopi would have to sort of change the world quite a lot for them to be like viable, at least to live outside of the sea. Like they, they, that, <laughs> I don't know, it feels like the human world is not very capable of hosting them. Maybe they'd have like a reverse scuba system. Well, yeah, I mean... Just a little bubble they float in. So as a, as a, as a brief epilogue, I just wanted to uh, mention, so I, I did some very limited research for this, and it turns out that not, not many people have thought about this, uh, surprisingly, other than the guy who wrote Planet of the Apes. Uh, <laughs> basically, two people go in two directions. One, like, it'll be AI of some kind, which I think is that's cheating. And the other one will be just, like, bacterial insects, which is kind of boring. So, uh, but I did find on Quora, I found uh, that Max Appleman had answered on December the 25th, 2019. He answered the question, what animal would dominate the Earth if humans go extinct? And he said the following, Kaboom! That's not the sound of a nuclear bomb. It's the sound of millions of spaceships abandoning the Earth for a galaxy far, far away. 
Now there are no humans left in the world. What animal will dominate this new and approved Earth? And so then he's, he's gone through each continent. I'm not going to read all of them because they're not that interesting. But I will uh, highlight the best ones. So for Africa, he said, Hopefully, without humans, the circle of life will be restored. Simba and Nala rule with a fair paw of justice, and everyone lives in harmony. <laughs> <laughs> and then he summarized, Europe, a fierce battle takes place between the native red squirrels and the introduced grey squirrels. It is only the first in a long and bloody war. Um, that guy knows nothing about squirrels. He obviously hasn't been to Brownsea Island. I'm just saying, look, Max, you don't know what you're talking about, okay? <laughs> And then he says the real winner might end up being the beavers. They could dam every river and create a huge expanse of beaver territory that most other animals couldn't live in. The moral of the story is, let's move to Mars. I think Max has got some problems. Like, what was he doing on Christmas Day (laughs) discussing the merits of squirrels? Um, That's what I want to know. Yeah, let's get him on the show. (laughs) I'll I'll reach out to him and let's see if we can get him on in a future episode. (laughs) Thank you for your octopus suggestions. That was very interesting. You're welcome. Watch out. Watch out. We're going to come get you. professor at a university mm-hmm. and your parents are world famous explorers or researchers or they've, they've been very successful and they've identified tons of new animal or plant species during their lifetime and their work right and mm-hmm. so you have also become a researcher you think zoologist or plant biologist or anything that you would like and the world has high expectations on you right because because of who your parents are Mm. And um, you have been granted a lot of public money to go to remote corners of the world looking for your next breakthrough. And you have done that. However, you couldn't find anything. No matter how hard you tried, you just couldn't find anything. <laughs> and um, you've had a blast, though. Like It's been a great time. You, you saw beautiful places. You've met wonderful people. Maybe you met your soulmate in a small village in the middle of nowhere in Guatemala or something. And uh, maybe you've also experimented with some weird drugs and, or, and <laughs> drinking. You've had a blast, however you put it, it doesn't matter. And you've spent the money. And the question is, how do you come back to, to your home university and justify the research money you've spent in your trip? I just switch to social sciences and write a thing about my experiences. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 is, that is viable. Okay, what, what kind of thing would you, have to, would you want to write about? Then? Oh, no. Um, am I, okay, how much money did, did I spend? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so for the sake of the argument, let's say you've spent two million pounds. Two million pounds. Oh, yeah, Josh. Okay. What? Yes. Did right. I? Maybe you spent it like maybe you actually tried to do some research, right? Which is expensive, but it failed. Mm-hmm. Like, what kind of very expensive research expenses did you use? <laughs> I mean, what way? <laughs> Just, I feel like I could, you, I could, I could flip this around into some kind of you know, like memoir about like how I how I spent two million pounds worth of taxpayers' money on having a blast and meeting my wife. 
Hmm. I think that's a good way to go. Like, you could probably write a book about it, and it would be very successful. You'd become, like, some sort of weird life coach, Josh, where you're like, turn your failure around. I was the biggest failure that ever was because I did this. But now look at me. I have a wife, and then they'd, <laughs> they'd like, come to you for life coaching, and you'd tell them how to get a wife um, and give up your dreams, maybe. How to get a wife and give up your dreams. <laughs> well, yeah, you're not going to be doing any work anymore. No one's going to hire you with your poor execution of the, the time you spent. I think life coach does seem to be a good direction. Because I, mean, I, I think whenever you fail at something like, really big, then the next step is always to become a life coach. Because it seems like I was an investment banker at Bear and Stearns, and I lost billions and billions of dollars. And now I'm here to teach you about success for some reason. Uh, but that, that would create like a feedback loop where, where all that we teach to each other is just how to be bad at things. And that would be like the, the demise of humanity. <laughs> what <do you> think? <laughs> Look around. It seems like that's the case. <laughs> I think I would, um, I had two, two thoughts. Um, <laughs> one would be, that I would set a challenge to other people. So obviously, you know, you've probably made quite a lot of money during your time um, and you've probably got quite a lot of contact. So you could be like, look, I'm great at my job um, and I couldn't find anything. I challenge you to find something. And then you could get other sort of universities involved with funding and maybe a television sort of studios involved and then they could fund groups of people to go out and try and find more than you could and then there could be like a segment each each week where you say okay so this is one of the things i tried to do i went to this area and tried to find the rhino with the interesting sound effects um but i failed at that this is how i failed now you guys have three weeks to find something better and then they do that i love that idea it's like a like a become a scientist reality show kind of thing like yeah (laughs) like flip around research showdown yeah it's like turn around trash tv into like really educational things like just become a scientist in just a week or something i love that yeah and i feel like you could probably get the funding for it because that's just the sort of shit that people fund isn't it (laughs) (laughs) um my my other suggestion would be to have taken like a bunch of really fancy but old video recorders and stuff with you and then when you go to give a big presentation like you get like the projector screen up and or and or the overhead projector and you you kind of have canapes and then when it comes down to it like the tape is broken and you're like oh no the tape is broken we can never watch this footage again my cine film caught on fire yeah something like that um and you make up some like really elaborate story of all the things you've done um and what Mm. you but i guess you still would have to quantify what you'd achieved so to some extent, I guess like, the main thing is even if you have negative results, you would have to sort of declare that you did something with it. Like I mean, otherwise, like the I don't know, the government is going to be very mad at you if you just spent it on I don't know ayahuasca or something like this. But I I just realized that being a zoologist is kind of like being a Pokemon trainer, because you're basically just going around trying to catch them all, and that's what like Carl Linnaeus did. He just kind of went on the road catching all catching them all. Yeah. All, what happens when there's no more Pokemon to catch? What happens when, when you've caught all 151 of them? Well, then you have to go and defeat the Elite Four. <laughs> there's way too much Pokemon in this uh, podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the, Pokemon is the gravity of this podcast. <laughs> Everything gets pulled back to Pokemon eventually. Maybe you should have, a, in a future podcast, you should have Pokemon as the theme. <gasps> oh, oh, my. That would be a three hour Bonanza episode. <laughs> <laughs> I just talked the whole time. 
Yeah, Josh is forever trying to cut this podcast down in time. I'm happy for it to run for forever, but he, for some reason, I think probably because Olivia in the first episode said she wanted a podcast that was 43 minutes long. Josh is now trying to stick to that. I've got to, you've got to please the please the customers. Please well, the one girl that's always on the podcast. There is enough storage on, on my phone if you want to go ahead. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, those are great suggestions. I also asked uh, Charlie, my girlfriend, um, what she would do with this. And mm. she went a completely different route. She said that at the very end, she would fabricate her results. So basically, she would just Ooh. get into the lab and try to like clone up some sort of like new animal <laughs> that she would, I don't know, she would mix like say whatever, like a kangaroo with a lizard or something and then come up with, <laughs> come up with this new animal, breed it in enough numbers that she would like introduce it in an, in, in an ecosystem. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and somehow then like take a picture of one in the wild and uh, present that as a paper. I would watch her. She's a dangerous one. <laughs> yes, for sure. So two, two takeaways from that. One, I think that's a fantastic... If you could achieve that, that's a much better achievement than just, just randomly finding an animal in the wild. Yeah. Anyone can find an animal, or apparently they can't, but it seems quite easy. But then to actually make a whole new one, that's pretty, uh, that's pretty impressive. I think you'd have to <laughs> fob them off for quite a long time. That They're like, have you got your findings yet? Like, no, no, no. Just I just <laughs> need to go back and just check something. What, what's that in your Kill bag? Me. No, it's not squeaking. No, don't look at my bag. <laughs> what's in that farm over there? Nothing, nothing. It's just, it's just marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My second takeaway from that is that you are a very good scientist because the idea of fabricating your results never crossed your mind. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yes, no, it did not. It, it came as a surprise. But yeah, maybe it's been my... I've been taught very hard, like, with, very, with negative examples. Never fabricate your results. But uh, it seems like it's the only way out of this one. I would watch the film of, some, of that happening to someone. Oh, yeah. I think you could also write... Like, after the whole thing, you could write a book and call it How I Fabricated My Way Out of This Really Bad Situation. And that'd be an actual good like life coach for like I don't know lawyers or people who lie for a for for a living I don't know. So I didn't even write notes here. I feel like you guys have kind of got into the writing notes, and I haven't. I've got a pencil, but no no. no no notes written so I was obviously I watched my videos on the natural world and got got stuck in it um mm. but it didn't really give me much and then I was just thinking which animals do I like and that's where I went from <laughs> <laughs> um and then I was thinking about how great hermit crabs are and there's that one video about all the hermit crabs that line up and then jump into other shells like they all mm. upgrade their shells oh, I was yes. like oh hermit crabs are really cool and then I thought about other things that have shells like snails which are not as cool but still like kind of cool um mm. and then I ran out of things I could think of that had shells um after two things <laughs> give me some more examples then the scallops mussels limpets yeah, fine, whatever. Other okay, snails? okay, but they're not as they don't. I guess I was thinking more about things that live in shells that carry their shells around with them as a home. Oh, rather than it being attached to them full time. 
Um, yeah, I just okay. didn't specify that because of my head. I knew that because it was my own brain thinking. Um, <laughs> and then I thought, oh, well, that's it's so cool that they get to just carry their houses around with them. And, you know, when it's hot, they can lie out of their houses. And when it's cold, they can get all cozy in their houses. And they've got everything they need in their houses, sort of, but not really. Wouldn't it be cool if we could carry our houses around with us? Mm-hmm. And then I thought, if you could carry your home around with you, what form would it take? And what would you have in your house sort of essential items but also your luxury items if you're in a world like this that exists kind of currently as it is pre-corona times how would your house be and what would you keep in it to kind of maximize your life wow do you actually physically have to carry it on your back or can it be like say like a camper van or something like that it can be something that yeah kind of attaches to you but Okay. You know, you could be inside your car or it doesn't have to be something you carry around because that'd be pretty lame. Like, you get, like, one, <laughs> one thing. Because <laughs> okay, I, I don't want to have to carry the camper van on my back. <laughs> I'm not that strong. Probably mine would look like an Ikea bag. I have so many of those. And then, Just one uh, big Ikea bag. Yes, one big Ikea bag. I feel like it's it's uh, a good material that would fend off um, from, like, the, the elements, from the rain and uh, or storms. It probably doesn't conduct electricity, so I'll be safe from thunderstorms as well. It seems like a good format for a house. It's very minimal. You have to carry it. Like, very you, you minimal. Can't... But that's very trendy these days. I mean, like a very big IKEA bag, like a humongous. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Not... You would just curl up in an IKEA bag. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's I enough that you can you can sort of fold it and then carry it as a bag. But then you can also like unfold it, and then it would be as big as say like a bouncy castle. Yeah. Exactly. Like oh, a small bouncy castle. Yeah, but you could fold it so that you could carry it as well. Ooh. So as long as you don't have many things in there, you can have a very big but very empty house with you. When I, when I, when I first thought of this, I was picturing, uh, you know in Japan they have the capsule hotels? Yeah. Where it's just like oh, yes. row upon row upon row of capsules that are basically the size of a coffin, but <laughs> yeah. with a, little, a little bit bigger. I'm kind of picturing one of those, but like broken off and as its own freestanding thing. It's like a little a little tube that you kind of can live in, and it has, and it has like inside it around it has little slots where you can slot all your stuff in there, like some book slots and some Game Boy Advance slots. <laughs> For all your Pokemon games. Okay. We come oh, back no. to the same topic again. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, but the thing is, I'm trying to I'm trying to think about because I think the IKEA bag is really good because it's very portable and you can actually carry it quite easily, mm-hmm. uh, but. I if I if I had this little capsule, I don't think I'd be able to carry it. I'd have to wheel it around somehow. That's the thing. I try, I'm trying to factor in a way to carry it that is actually feasible. But you could, mm. you know, link it up to a car or you know, have okay, it on, okay, on okay. wheels as a cart. You, know, you could have a horse like carrying it, and you could ride the horse. It's not meant to be um, a trial. It's meant to be sort of a an enjoyable way, but you can carry your home with you. So it could just be a caravan if you wanted to have a caravan. But that's not so interesting. But I'm more interested about. In, in about like the way that you have utilized the space and, and sort of what you're mm-hmm. doing with it and the things that you think are important to carry around with you. Because obviously like, hermit crabs don't really take anything with them. They've just got like a bit of gloopy sand in there. But imagine if they knew that there were other things that they could put inside their shell. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's actually the hermit crabs aren't really using the space very well because no. there's nothing in there. They should, they should have some shelves or some kind of storage they could put in there. Hmm. Yeah, but people have still like pimped up their hermit shells. Um, you, have you seen the 3D printed ones that are like castles and stuff? People have done really cool things with hermit crab shells. So even those guys have got it going on. Um, I feel like your IKEA bag 
and your capsule hotel. Like they're they're good sort of survivalist kind of garb, but I think you guys could do better. Like you could achieve more and have a nicer time. Wait, people okay. have 3D printed shells for hermit crabs. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but I mean, I mean, so if if I if we draw the analogy of the hermit crabs, okay, mm. I guess the hermit crabs they find a nice shell for two reasons, right? One is for shelter. The other one is shelter. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, just that. I didn't. I, that that was completely involuntary on <laughs> my side. But yes, <laughs> um, I guess the other the other is I, I don't know if this is true or not. Do you know if it's also for like signaling, as in look at my house is so pretty, which means that I'm I'm a very good life mate or life partner. Like you should you should mate with me because the house I found is so good. Like it's, it's, is it also for showing off somehow? Oh, I'm not sure. I think it's just quite hard for them to find one. I had a pet hermit crab, but I only had one, so it never showed off to anyone but me. Um, and I only gave it one option. So, <laughs> Were you impressed by it? I was so impressed. Um, he was a great crab. He used to do little dances on his coconut house. I remember that. I remember that hermit crab. What was his name again? Crabsworth. Crabsworth, yeah. Yeah. Good times. Good old Crabsworth. Crabsworth. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know the answer to your question. Sorry. I feel like I should have done some research into hermit crabs. I thought I knew everything about them, but actually I just knew one thing about them. <laughs> it would be interesting to have like these sort of conventions of people who carry their house on their backs and then they're, they all sort of meet up and they have like an exhibition of like, oh, look, this is my house. And then you sort of, I don't know, you hook up with people whose house you like or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that's what hermit crabs do or not, but it sounds like a possible thing. But, but it's true that in that video, they just seem to sort of just come together and then swap houses really quick. So they all line yeah. up um, in size order. They, so they size each other up and they get an exact line order. And then at the moment where like the biggest one hops into a bigger shell, they all really quickly hop into the, the shell that's one bigger than their shell. But then sometimes you get extra ones who want to like get in on the action, but there's not enough space because they've got someone that's the same size as them. And then they fight to get into the, the gap. Um, it's but who, brutal. But then like, there must be one at the end who's like, who's the biggest one who just then gets stuck on by himself because they all move out. And he's like, oh shit, I didn't have a shell lined up. <laughs> yeah, it's, like more a, of a, it's more of a lottery than, a, than an organized exchange, isn't it? Yeah, nice. I think that guy might be dead or it could be like an extra shell that was abandoned by something else or it could be like a tin can. It could be anything. Tin can, that's a sad one. Yeah. If, I had a, if I was a hermit crab and I had a tin can for my shell, that would be pretty sad. Although it's metal, so that would be pretty invincible compared to other shells. It would get quite hot, mm. I think, probably. Yeah. yeah, I guess so. And you could cut yourself with the edges or something. That would be scary. Yeah, you'd be a badass little hermit crab to mm. deal with that, really. A very noisy one as well, I guess. It's clanking <laughs> along the bottom of the ocean. Yes, Check out is. my tin shell. <laughs> Times are tough for Herman, the hermit crab. <laughs> uh, nice. But the, I think the, uh, the thing that like the trading up thing that that makes me think of trading up. You know that thing where that guy took a paperclip and then he kept trading it and trading it until he got a hermit crab. I mean, a house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that guy. He went via the hermit crab, I think. That's basically that, I think. So, so I feel like if you're going to do this, then if you, this was going to be something which is like imposed on society, which is I've decided it's going to be something which is now imposed on society, that everyone has to carry their house around with them, they can't live in fixed houses, then I think like the whole trading up thing is really cool because then it's like, okay, I have an Ikea bag 
you have a capsule hotel, like what trade can we do to make this happen so I can get your capsule hotel? And then you get it and you're like, oh crap, this is really heavy. I can't carry it around. <laughs> I wish I hadn't traded for the capsule hotel. In which case the the bits inside your homes matter the most. Like the, the things that you've provided for yourself to kind of live your best lives are the bits that will be the selling points of your things. I can imagine a sort of expo on homes going on and then you kind of go around and like, well, this is the uh, the capsule hotel model. It's got uh, all the latest mod cons. It's got a tease made and, and like some other bits and pieces. Um, it's got a what? A tease made. It makes tea? You know, there's, it's like the alarm clock that makes tea. Is that what that's called? A tease made, yeah. I didn't know that existed. But it's spelled like oh, M-A-I-D. No. Like it's a, an assistant that makes you tea, but also tea, tea is made, you know, tea's mm. made. Wow. British technology. My, yeah. My it's grandma used to have one of those next to her bed and it, and she used to set the thing so it would, it would like, it would make tea for her. Or I think it was even coffee or something in the morning and they would go, did it, did it, and there's coffee and she would just wake up and immediately take it out of the thing and drink it. <laughs> and I was like, wow, you have optimized your life. To, you are really to living. liver, yeah. <laughs> So this is kind of what I assumed you guys would be doing. Like I, In my head, I thought, oh, they'll probably have something that's like a caravan, but a bit fancier. And then I wonder what they're going to put inside it. Like maybe they'll have a tease made or maybe they'll have some sort of like rollout slide or, you know, things that make life easier and uh, more enjoyable. <laughs> but you guys were just like, we want the shittiest houses we can find. <laughs> well, I think, <laughs> with I think that's that's slide. it goes with the spirit of the hermit crab, right? It's just like the, the thing it found somewhere in the street. <laughs> Well, I'm wondering what you had in mind, Laura, for your own. Mm. Oh, I, I didn't really have... I mean, I just thought, oh, wouldn't it be nice? I just kind of thought about all the little bits and pieces that you put inside it. I was like, ooh, what fun technical things. Like, you could have a, a thing that does two things at once. And, I, and then I didn't really get any further than that because I just watched more videos about hermit crabs. Um, so I didn't, <laughs> didn't actually really research this because I thought you guys would come up with so many answers. And then I'd be like, oh, I'm so oh, in sorry. awe of your great options. Um, and then and then you just came up with the most sort of minimal and just. <laughs> it's, not... it's just that it seems like it goes with the lifestyle. Like like if you if you just if you're a hermit crab, then you have to, you know, have like a tiny house you can carry by yourself and then uh, have own very few things. Maybe. Hmm? I don't know. As a hermit. Yeah, I but I, I like the idea of, of um, having things that do multiple things to, to economize on the space. So like having like the mother of all Swiss army knives. Yeah, that has yeah. like everything on it. It's like a meter thick and it just has everything you possibly need like folding out exactly. of it. Exactly. A, a, a guitar, maybe a ukulele as well. A chair. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I yes. feel like this is what I was really after, but in my head yeah. I didn't know that I was after it until you said it, and now I'm like, yes. All I wanted was for you to describe a really strange Swiss Army knife to me. Um, oh, it's, it's, a, it's a good thread to pull from, I think. I don't know, what else would you put in the Swiss Army knife? A, a, another Swiss Army knife that's just smaller and has like a subset of features. Ooh. It's like modular, so it just you kind of fall out smaller Swiss Army knives that then fold out again and have more things. A skateboard. I think one of those things that measures spaghetti that makes sure that you have the right size portions. Because I always cook too much spaghetti. <laughs> nice. Why Why not have the Swiss Army knife itself be the house as well? Like you, I don't know. Can you fold out a house from the Swiss Army knife? <laughs> yeah, and it kind of like <laughs> unfolds unfolds again. Like a trailer yeah, then, tent. Exactly, yeah. Exactly, yeah. So everything can be contained into that one thing. I hope I, I hope that's what the future holds for us. Yeah, um, I think it's possible. In Life in Switzerland, eh? Swiss Army knife of dreams. <laughs> 
Well, thank you for joining us, Michael. It was very nice to have your scientific prowess on the show. That was very fun, brainstorming about the, the natural world. And if there's one thing that you that you take away from today, is keep an eye on those octopi. Yes. They're next. And in the meantime, tell a friend about the podcast if you enjoy it. I should have mentioned that like episodes ago, but if you if you enjoy the podcast, uh, share it with a friend. I think if you don't like it, share it with a friend. Even better. Yeah, if you don't like it, just make them listen to it. Or think, share uh, it with, share it with your mum. The thing to do is, if you like it, share it with your friends. If you don't like it, share it with your enemies. Oh, That's a good suggestion, yes. <laughs> and uh, if you've been affected by any of the issues we've discussed tonight, uh, feel free to contact us on our email address. It is oneofmanypilots at gmail.com. Has anyone emailed us yet? I didn't check the email since last time, so <laughs> hopefully... <laughs> 15 <laughs> emails, <no> Josh. <laughs> Oh my god. All right. Till next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.